1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This morning we're going to be looking at the thought of resurrection victory. Resurrection victory. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Paul dedicates this chapter of the Word of God to unveiling and completely thoroughly explaining the doctrine of the resurrection and how the doctrine of the resurrection relates to you and I. In the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds us of the core of the gospel. And then in the remainder of the chapter, he describes how the resurrection of Christ is beneficial to the believer. So in order to get started this morning, we're going to read the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the message looking at the remainder of the chapter. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures." And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Father, for meeting with us this morning. Father, we thank you for the service this morning. And Father, Lord, how we have traveled through the scriptures and with song, Father, uh, seeing from the beginning to Calvary. Father, Lord, how that man was created and man needed a Savior. And Father, Lord, how you provided that Savior. You came. You gave yourself for us. And Father, Lord, I thank you, uh, uh, Lord, for what you did for us. And now, Father, in this service. Uh, Lord, as we've listed our voices in praise, uh, uh, Father, for the fact uh, that you didn't stay in the grave, you didn't stay defeated, uh, uh, Father, but you rose victorious uh, over death, hell, and the grave. And Father, because he lives, uh, we can live also. And Father, Lord, we thank you for that. I pray you bless now as we look at your word this morning. Father, I pray that you will take what you have given me. And Father, Lord, I pray that you will use it to speak to the hearts of the people. I pray to Father, Lord, that our hearts will be challenged. I pray will be encouraged. Uh, I pray, dear Father, Lord, that for those that are saved, that you'll rekindle in our heart uh, a new fervent love for you, for what you have done for us. Lord, if there's those in the congregation today that have never put their trust in you as their Savior, Father, I pray that you will speak through your word to them and that, Father, they will see the need to accept you as Savior and, Father, that you will give to them a new life and move in and take over. And, Father, Lord, that they will have eternal life. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're gathered here this morning to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we understand and know that his resurrection confirmed his deity. Whenever he rose from the dead, if there was any doubt that Jesus was God, when he walked out of that tomb, he proved beyond any 
the shadow of a doubt that he was deity because only God has the ability to overthrow the power of death. And when he walked out of that tomb, it confirmed once and for all that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was God. It confirmed his deity. Whenever we look at the resurrection, we see that it exemplifies his power over death. It shows us that he has the ability to overcome hell and the grave. It validates his authority and his ability to forgive men of their sins. When he rose from the dead, it verified everything that he had ever predicted concerning his life, death, and resurrection. We see that whenever we look at the resurrection, there are many things that it confirms about our Savior. It lets us know that He is a Savior worth serving. He is a God worth living for. He is someone worth putting our faith in because He has proved that He is victorious over the grave. All of these things give us reason to celebrate today. And many times for good reason. That is the focus is what the resurrection means for Christ. But this morning, I want to take a few moments and look at what does the resurrection mean for me. What does the resurrection mean for me? Does it change anything for me? The fact that Christ rose, does that change anything for me? And so this morning we're going to be looking at what the resurrection means to you and I. Not only does the resurrection validate the Savior and it does it very well, but the resurrection also liberates you and I. Just as the resurrection of Christ pronounces Him victorious over death, His resurrection ensures that that one day you and I also will be victorious over death, hell, and the grave because he has defeated the grave. You and I have hope of an eternal tomorrow. Boy, I'm telling you what, the resurrection has a lot to to do with you and I. So this morning, let's look here in 1 Corinthians 15 and I want to draw our attention to four victories that are ours because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want you to notice is the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection. Now, I'm not speaking of the promise uh, uh, that it will come, but I'm speaking of the promise that, that because he rose... Uh, I will rise. What is this promise? It is this, that his resurrection ensures my resurrection. The promise is this, that because he defeated death, he has the power to deliver me from the grasp of death. It is this, it is just as he rose from the grave, there is coming a day when every believer will split the ground wide open and rise victorious as well. When Jesus stepped out of that tomb... On resurrection morning, yes, it verified that he was God. But not only did it verify that, it confirmed that all who put their trust in him was putting their trust in someone who had the ability to resurrect them and give them eternal life. Paul explains this promise in verse 12 down through verse number 34. And I want to draw your attention to just a few of the verses in that section. Look with me in verse number 16. Paul says, For if the dead 
rise not. In other words, if at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the dead are not going to rise up out of the ground, he said, then Christ, then is Christ not raised. Then is not Christ raised. I'll get it straight here in a minute. That's what happens when you're half reading and half quoting. See, it gets you in trouble. Then is not Christ raised. If the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. If, if the dead aren't going to resurrect, Jesus didn't resurrect. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. If he didn't raise from the dead, then everything that we believe in, everything we're doing this morning is in vain. It's worthless. Not only that, ye are yet in your sins. If he didn't raise, your sins have never been washed away. He says in verse number 18, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, those who died, looking forward to the day that they would be resurrected if Christ didn't raise, then they're, they're, they're in vain. He said they, they are perished. They which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But look at verse number 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. If Christ didn't raise, you're not going to raise. If Christ didn't raise, your faith is vain. If Christ didn't raise, your sins haven't been forgiven. If Christ didn't raise again, those that have died trusting in him are going to rot in the ground. He said, but I want to let you know something. But now is Christ risen from the dead. He has came out of the ground. He has been victorious. He has been resurrected. And look what it says there in the last part of verse number 20 and become the first fruits of them that slept. What does this mean? It means that he was the first to defeat the grave and because he defeated the grave you and I have a promise that there is coming a day that we will defeat the grave also because he walked out you and I can walk out because he was victorious we can be victorious. He said in verse number 21 for since by man came death by man and the Lord Jesus Christ came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, they that are Christ at His coming. The first thing that I see when I consider resurrection victory is that because Jesus has risen from the dead, it guarantees that I will not stay in the ground. It guarantees that there is an eternity for me. It guarantees that I'm not just going to die and that's all there is to it. Christ the first fruits, and afterward all those who believe in Him his coming. He's going to come. He's going to split the sky wide open with a shout, with the trump of the Lord, and the dead in Christ will rise. How do I know this? Because the tomb is empty. It verifies that he has the power. If he can resurrect himself, he can resurrect me. I don't have to go to the grave thinking that it's all over, but I go to the grave knowing there's coming a day when resurrection will happen. Resurrection victory. The next thing I want you to see about this resurrection victory, not only the promise, but I want you to see the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Knowing that we will raise again 
is a wonderful promise. Here in a few minutes, we'll be looking at how that promise can affect us in our mind. It's a wonderful promise. But when we begin to think about the resurrection in relation to this body of flesh and the frailty and the temporal makeup of this body, we may begin to wonder if the promise is unfounded. In other words, he has promised that, we, that he has the power to raise our body again. But Brother Ted, if you leave me in the ground long enough, there's nothing left to resurrect. Not to mention those who perhaps lost their life in a tragic event of fire or explosion or those that we've memorialized through cremation how do they raise? We see that he promised that, be, that he had the power to raise our bodies. But what if there's no body? How does this work? Here's some more resurrection victory for you, the power of the resurrection. When Christ walked out of the tomb, a transformation had taken place. Something had changed. He had went from a temporal body to an eternal body, from an earthly body to a heavenly body. And in doing so, he proved his power to transform every temporary body into an eternal body. Paul explains this power of the resurrection in verse 35 down through 49. Let's look at a few of those verses. In verse number 35, Paul says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? How is this promise that we just looked at possible? How is it that he can raise up a, a decaying body? If you look at the verses uh, 36 down through 41, you'll see they're like, how, how is this possible that you can raise a decaying body? But in verse number 42, Paul says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It, speaking of this body, is sown in corruption, a corrupt body that will submit to the effects of nature, it will decay. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. That word quickening means to make alive. How be it? That was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. The body that we have now is not the spiritual body, it's the natural body. He said an afterward. After the natural body's been planted in the ground, he said that which is spiritual. The first man, this body, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Verse number 49, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Here's some resurrection victory for you. First, there's a promise. 
He had power to come out of the grave. He has power to bring your body out of the grave. But here is the power of the resurrection. It doesn't matter what happens to this temporal body. This temporal body is as a seed that is sown. Paul said it's as a seed that is sown. It must first die and be planted in the ground. But after it dies and is planted, it is resurrected, transformed, brand new. It is a completely 100% rehabilitation body uh, that is a spiritual heavenly body. Uh, he buries us in earthly body. He raises us up uh, a heavenly body. Uh, this is the power uh, of the resurrection. You know it doesn't matter uh, what you do to me when I die. You can grind me up, put me in dog food, feed me to dogs and then cremate the dogs. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, God is able uh, to raise me up uh, 100%. It's resurrection victory. It's the power of the resurrection we can find hope in the fact that it's not an unfounded promise, but He will raise us up again. It's resurrection victory. The third thing I want to point out to you this morning concerning the resurrection is the position of the resurrection. The position that this puts me in as a Christian. Understanding the promise of the resurrection and understanding the power of God to be able to recreate me at the resurrection, this changes my mindset. It changes my outlook. You know, one of man's biggest fears is the fear of death. Now, many try to bury it some try to ignore it. Some try to pretend that it's not coming. But all people, men, women, boys, and girls, in the quietness of their mind, if they allow their mind to be quiet, are troubled at the thought of what happens after death. Some have tried to convince themselves that they're just going to go into the ground and that it's all over with. Uh, some have tried to stay so busy with life and activities that they never have to face it. Uh, some uh, try to think that they're just going to live life uh, to the fullest uh, and hope uh, that whenever they die, that that's all there is to it. But whenever they stop and think about it, even those that are the most confident when they tell you that they're not afraid, when they stop and think, they wonder, is there something that happens after death? And if so, what happens to me? All people have this concern. All people wonder this. They, it nags in the back of their mind. They may deny it. They may try to convince themselves otherwise. But underneath all the sham, they have this nagging fear of what is going to happen after death. And this is true of everyone unless you have experienced resurrection victory. This is true of everyone unless you have understood what Christ's resurrection means to you. And once you understand that, it changes your position entirely. You are completely different from anyone else. Why is that? Because once I understand the promise and the power of the resurrection, I find that I am no longer facing the unknown. The reason that people are so troubled 
troubled by the thought of death is because of the unknown. They've heard preachers preach about salvation. They've heard that if you're not born again, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. You've heard others say that if you live a good life, you can go to heaven. They've heard people say all types of things about the afterlife and they've put it all together. They've mixed it all up. They've came up with their own conclusion. But the truth of the matter is they do not know what's going to happen when they die. And the fact that they don't know is the thing that nags and nags and nags in the back of their mind, causing unrest, causing unsettlement in their heart. It is this nagging thing that you no longer know. But once you are born again and you understand that because he rose, there's coming a day when I will rise, then it takes away that nagging fear. It takes away that nagging doubt. No longer am I concerned about the unknown because my future is not unknown. I have 100% confidence as to where I'm going. I'm no longer wondering. I'm no longer guessing. I'm no longer just trying to figure it out. I know what the future holds and it changes my position. Changes it completely. Understanding the promise and the power of the resurrection changes our mindset. No longer are we facing the unknown, but now we're able to embrace the promise that if he rose, and he did, there's coming a day when I will rise as well. If he was victorious over the power of the grave, he can deliver you and I. And understanding this promise delivers us from that nagging doubt in the back of our mind because we know where our future is. Our mental position is changed because of the resurrection. Dear Christian, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no need for you to toss and turn at night wondering what tomorrow holds. Dear Christian, if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it does not matter what tomorrow holds. It does not matter what you encounter in the middle of the night. It does not matter if your life is suddenly ended. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have absolutely nothing to fear. And I'm telling you, once you get a hold of this, it'll change your life. It'll change your outlook. It'll change the way you live because you will recognize that the worst thing that this world can do to you is the best thing that can ever happen to you. The worst thing that this world offers is to end your life here on earth and that's the best thing that can happen to a Christian is to graduate from this life to eternal life. To go from this temporal life to a heavenly blessing. The world cannot threaten you. They cannot scare you. They can't make you troubled in your sleep because we have a promise that after death is something far greater. And I'm telling you what, it changes your position when you recognize the truth of the resurrection. Paul talks about this in verse 51 down through verse number 57. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Some folks think that verse is talking about the nursery, but it's not. <laughs> 
It's talking about the resurrection. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What does that change? Change from a temporal to a heavenly body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Whenever this takes place, death is swallowed up in victory. For the Christian, death is no longer something we fear, but rather it's a graduation day. It's a transformation day. It's the beginning of an eternal day. Death has been swallowed up in victory. He said there, oh death, in verse number 55, oh death, where is thy sting? You see the sting of death, the Bible says is sin and the strength of sin is the law. What are we seeing here? Oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? Where's it at? I'm a Christian. I'm entering into death. I know that I'm about to cross the line and instead of being afraid, instead of being full of terror, instead of being worried and concerned, I've noticed that this is a glorious day and the death, the horrors of death that I've heard stories about I find don't apply to me. There's no sting. There's no hurt. There's no fear. Why? Because the resurrection has removed the sting of death from the life of the believer. It's gone. It's taken away. There's nothing to worry about. Why are those? Why are there those who fear and tremble at death because the sting of death is sin. And those that have never been forgiven, when they come to the end of their life, they recognize that this is the best it's ever going to be. They are not getting translated. It is not a graduation day but they are going to reap the consequences for their sin. Not because they have to, but because they chose to reject the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they realize as they cross the final steps of life that they are crossing with unforgiven sin that they've never turned over to the Savior. They've never accepted His blood to wash away their sin. I'm not saying that those of us who are Christians are perfect no but he is and whenever we put our trust in him he takes care of the sin problem but those that have never trusted in him there's going to come a day there's going to come a day when the sting of death is sin he says in verse number 57 but thanks be to God which giveth us the believers giveth us the victory how through the Lord Jesus Christ. The position of the resurrection. And lastly, in thinking of this resurrection victory, I want to point out the proclamation of the resurrection. He says in verse number 58, Therefore, now whenever you see the word therefore, it means because of what we've just looked at. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because 
of the promise and the power of the resurrection. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Therefore, because of the resurrection, because we know that we will rise again, because we know that we have an eternal home, because we know that this is just a pass, we're just passing through, we're just pilgrims here, because we know that we are looking forward to a better day, because we know these things. He said, in your service on this earth, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know what God has done for you and you know what he's going to do for you. We can serve God with confidence. Therefore, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know. Because of the resurrection, I know this, that my labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everything that I do for him is not wasted. There will be a payout. And I know it's coming. Why? Because the tomb is empty. I know I can live for him. Why? Because the tomb is empty. I know that I can work for him. I know I can burn my life out for him on this earth. And I know that I'll be rewarded because the tomb is empty. The resurrection, it confirmed the deity of Christ. But it also confirmed why I am willing to give my life for him. Resurrection, victory. This morning I ask, have you experienced resurrection victory? Or are you living a life of fear and dread? Have you experienced that life of freedom from that nagging doubt of what does tomorrow hold? Or do you find yourself in the quietness of your mind wondering, Am I going to be okay? Do you find yourself confidently resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you judging your outcome based on your own life, your own actions, and your own deeds? Have you experienced resurrection victory? Or are you still living in fear because you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm glad that I can say through Paul, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, you do not have to live a life of wondering what tomorrow holds. You don't have to live a life of doubt and fear and concern. No, you can live a life in full confidence that you will experience a better tomorrow. You don't have to go through life wondering what tomorrow holds. This morning we're going to close with the song Because He Lives. As Miss Debbie comes, she's going to play and we're going to sing Because He Lives. And as we sing, if the Lord has spoken to your heart as we sing this morning, I want you to come. Maybe you want to come and thank the Lord for resurrection victory. Maybe you want to come and pray for someone you know that's never put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say... Pastor John, that's what I'm looking for. I need to experience 
that resurrection victory. I need to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he lives, Saul stand. Hymn number 8.